You're listening to the Mind Body Musings Podcast, the show where you can learn the most intricate details about the body, the mind, and how lifestyle choices link the two to create individual health for every shape and size. I'm fitness and nutrition expert Maddie Moon, here to enlighten you on how to live your life in a way that promotes satiation, thrivation, and self-appreciation. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I'm here today with a lovely woman who's making big moves here in Denver, Colorado. Heather Kelly is the operator of Open Nutrition and works as an evolutionary sports nutritionist and certified eating psychology coach. She's a huge advocate for delicious whole food nutrition that includes a lot of grass-fed butter, pasture-raised eggs, super dark chocolate, and bacon, of course. (laughs) Heather is very passionate about teaching people the importance of nutrition and obtaining their goals. She advocates a whole foods diet with an emphasis on food equality and feels it is critical to address the psychological components of what we eat. She's always looking out for ways to explain the mind-body component of nutrition to clients and get them pumped up to improve their ever-so-important connection. You know, I'm always just so inspired when I meet a strong female that's passionate about nutrition and helping others to succeed. So I feel we have just so much we can learn from her today. So let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to the show, Heather. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Madeline. Yeah, I know I said that you're in Denver, Colorado, but you're actually in Alaska, chilling right now. So <laughs> she's all over the place. Yep, I try to stay on the road as much as I can. I prob- I feel like I travel probably 50 weeks out of the year, so what? you never know where I'm going to be. <laughs> wow, like that's that's crazy. That's so opposite of my life because I haven't traveled in like five years maybe, except for when I like randomly moved to Colorado. That was kind of a travel, but <laughs> yeah. So funny story, before we get started, I just wanted to tell you, I, I meant to tell you this earlier, but like you went to the Institute for the Psychology of Eating, right? Yep. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so I worked there, and I totally emailed you one time. Oh, really? Yeah. How long ago did you work there? I, I worked there only a couple months, like January to Mar- April, actually. January to April, and you had, like, emailed a question about something like changing your photo, and I was like, hi, Heather. I hope this email finds you well. My name's Madeline, and I'll be taking care of you. And uh, I, like, fixed your photo for you, and, like, we, we, like, went back and forth for, like, four emails, but, like, and they're just so random, like, so random. Yeah, the world gets smaller by the second, especially with social media stuff. Like, I put a call out the other day for help with something here in Anchorage, and then somebody from Colorado... Denver area responded and I was like how do you know what I need here in Alaska (laughs) it's just so wild (laughs) oh my gosh that's so crazy I love it though it's always kind of cool when you just have that connection that circles back in like multiple different ways like the world's just trying to put two people together it's crazy but anyways (laughs) I'm getting too hippie there but uh let's go ahead and go into your background with um just fitness and how did you get to be so awesome? How did you start Open Nutrition? What's the scoop? <laughs> oh, it, you know, I really appreciate you even asking me that because it's amazing to me how I do a lot of coaching and working with clients and I do a lot of listening. Um, I don't necessarily do a lot of talking and it's been crazy how recently I just feel like I've been getting asked over and over and over again, like, what's the deal? How did Open Nutrition come to be? How did you end up running your own remote business? So I'll tell you kind of the funny story. So I grew up in Alaska and I went off to college uh, to Western Washington University. And the only reason why I went there is really because it was the closest school (laughs) to Alaska. So it was kind of by default. But when I got there, I had learned about the women's rowing team. And in the summer prior to going to college, I had been a raft guide up here in Alaska. So somebody had mentioned like, oh, well, if you row boats, you know, as rafting, maybe you should head off to college and try out for crew. So I got to Western and found out that the women's rowing team was actually pretty successful. They'd already won two consecutive national championships and... I ended up going to the first practice at five o'clock in the morning on a Saturday and never stopped, just got totally hooked on it. So I ended up rowing crew for four years for Western. And by the time I graduated, I had helped my team win two more consecutive national championships. So number five and six. 
and was voted All-American my senior year and had a very successful rowing career. But the overarching theme for me throughout all of that was really having a hard time understanding how to eat. Like I could not figure out for the life of me how I needed to eat in order to fuel my workouts, recover from workouts, all of that. So long story short, out of my frustration of not having any sort of really solid coaching and nutrition, I ended up developing my own degree in evolutionary sports nutrition from Fairhaven College, which is an interdisciplinary program within Western Washington. And went away from college and actually decided I wanted to get a rafting job in Colorado. So after I had guided in Alaska for five summers, I packed all my shit into the back of my pickup truck, uh, went and drove to Colorado, applied for rafting jobs out there because essentially I was just sick of being cold and wet in Alaska and wanted a change of pace. And I found myself in Fort Collins, Colorado, guiding on the Poudre River. And that was all great. And I ended up getting into CrossFit at that time at CrossFit North Fort Collins. And what ended up happening was I was guiding on the Poudre River and got my first paycheck and I was making $6 an hour, (laughs) which was kind of a disaster. Like, oh my God, I just packed up my life and moved to a new state and I'm not going to make it. Like I'm going to go broke before I can even consider staying. And as it turned out, my CrossFit coach at the time, Michael Reynolds, was gracious enough to say to me, hey, why don't you start using your degree and working with my athletes on nutrition? So it was kind of a accident almost how I ended up quitting my job at the rafting company and started working with athletes one-on-one, coaching them on sports nutrition. I ended up doing seminars and you know, just started off pretty small at my local CrossFit gym And that was three years ago, (laughs) and now I do this full-time, and it's, like, the most gratifying thing in the world. I really have my dream job, and it was all kind of based off of an accident. So, you know, on top of that, I ended up going back to school at the Institute for the Psychology of Eating in Boulder, Colorado, and I'm now a certified psychology of eating coach, and that's the great grand majority of what I do with my clients is help them to develop a really satisfying and healthy relationship with food along with learning what to eat in order to get the most out of their performance. Wow. So. That's incredible. Like so good on you, like for accomplishing that much just in three years, that's pretty amazing. And like, I guess the thing that kind of stood out to me the most is I'm trying to figure out like what because you come from a background that's like athletics and learning how to eat for your like athletic abilities become stronger and to feel better but you went to the school for psychology of eating and like what kind of drew you into figuring out more about the the psychology aspect of food and not just like the physical aspect and and like what food can do for for your athletic abilities but what it can do for your mind what kind of piqued your interest in that area yeah, I that's a great question. So that's kind of the big gaping hole that I left in this story. So when I was in college, my freshman year, I was really close to making the varsity eight boat. I was really close to going to nationals with my team. And I'll take that back. I wasn't close to making the varsity eight. My freshman year, I was close to going to nationals, you know, in the varsity four was more realistic. But I knew that I wanted to make that top boat. So I knew that, wow, like I want to be super strong. I want to be super powerful. Like I want to be the best that I can. So I actually sought out a nutritionist my freshman year. And there was this woman named Becky (laughs) that worked in the varsity athletic office. And it was kind of understood that Becky was a registered dietitian. And she was kind of the gal you would go talk to if you wanted to talk about Uh, sports nutrition. So Becky meets with me with my three-day food log. And I just remember that she measured the size of my wrist and took my height and looked over my food log. And it was obvious that Becky was like visibly anorexic, like just very gaunt in the face. And she talked a lot about drinking a lot of herbal tea. She was really into that. (laughs) (laughs) And what she said to me was, you should weigh 145 pounds. 
And at the time I was about 157, you know, kind of the weight that I had been for years, <laughs> probably mm-hmm. since like, I don't know, seventh grade. And so it just, it had never dawned on me really that I should weigh less in order to perform better. But I had made it clear to Becky, like, I want nothing more than to make this varsity eight boat. So I went home to Alaska, tried to lose weight, and my diet of pizza and beer for <laughs> raft guiding didn't exactly peel the weight off. So when I got back to school my sophomore year, I again was like, I want nothing more than to be in that top eight boat. So I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I found this really great tool uh, called nutritiondata.com where you can log all your calories. And I decided, you know what? I think 1,800 calories a day is a great number. That's how I'm going to lose this 12 pounds. And at the time for crew, we were getting up at like 4.15, rowing on the water from 5 to 7 a.m., coming back, going to class, working out again in the afternoon. So I was doing about 24 hours a week of training on 1,800 calories a day. And lo and behold, the weight came off. (laughs) Yeah, right? So basically what happened was I peeled myself down to like 142 pounds and I just looked like a bobblehead. But I was stoked because I genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, believed that Becky knew what she was talking about and I was going to lose the weight and my weighted erg times were going to be awesome and I was going to make that top eight. And then... I very distinctly remember being seat raced for the varsity eight. And I had been waiting for this all year. And for seat racing, what they do is they put two boats right next to each other. They race you 2000 meters. They switch a girl from boat a with a girl in boat B and then they race you again just to see, you know, who makes the boat go faster. And I remember that morning getting seat raced and I did not make the boat go faster. (laughs) (laughs) I think we got beat by like open water and it was so devastating. Like that was my chance to go to nationals in the varsity eight and I missed it for that year. So as you can imagine, like downward spiral from there, I ended up missing two seats in the varsity eight, missed both seats in the varsity four and went to nationals that year as an alternate because I was weak as a kitten. It was like pathetic. I could run for 10 miles at a good clip and I was super skinny, but I was so pitifully weak. And so I just remember being really confused. Um, I had done what I thought I needed to do in order to make this boat and it didn't work. And um, long story short, my coach came up to me at nationals that year and put his arm around me and said, I want you to go home this summer and gain 10 pounds and come back next year, ready to work. And I was just like, what the, (laughs) Like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, this is so ridiculous. And I was so angry. But at that time, uh, I actually found out about Mark David's work and his books, books, nourishing wisdom and the slowdown diet. So for any women out there who have ever had to gain weight before, Um, you likely know that it is very complexing. It is very hard. Mm -hmm. It is really emotional to be like, I am eating more food and exercising less and I am gaining weight. And I ended up going back to Alaska that summer and gaining 15 pounds. (laughs) And boom, I came back my junior year and made the varsity eight right away and stayed there for the next two seasons. So how... You know, regarding your question about how I got into mind-body nutrition, it really came from me hitting an all-time low with my disordered eating, like that stemmed from an athletic goal and having to kind of repair my relationship with food and body image. And the way I was able to do that really was by reading Mark David's books, taking his over-the-phone courses, and eventually going and studying under him in Boulder. So that's kind of my story. (laughs) Wow. I can't even imagine, like, being told from somebody you trust, like, immediately the first thing is you need – you should be weighing, like, this amount of weight. And then – doing exactly what you're told to do and then learning that that's the one, like the the thing you were told to do is the one thing that's keeping you from the goal you started with. And like all in mind, you just had this one athletic goal 
and had to lose all that weight. Like I can't even, I can't even fathom that because I've never come from really an athletic uh, background. More like the, I mean, the bodybuilding thing and like doing competitions, but that's not performance based. And like performance based nutrition is a completely different ball game. Like you need food, you need food, and you need lots of food, and <laughs> yeah. you don't need a calorie counter. You need a plate and some silverware and like lots of avocados is what I think but (laughs) yeah and I think like one of the hardest things about gaining weight and like working out less and eating more is just because it is in your control and it's really difficult when you have to like wake up every day and make that decision I am doing this for my health like I have the power to lose weight or gain weight gaining weight is happening right now And I have to say, it's okay. And it's for my health. And like watching your body grow and get bigger in areas you've always been small, it's a total, if if your mind's not in the right place and you're not accepting that, if you don't understand that society is crazy and society's trying to tell us what like looks good and society's trying to tell us that you need to look a certain way or weigh a certain amount of weight, it's going to be a lot harder than if you were to challenge like society's norms and challenge um what's normal for your body because only you know what's normal for your body and obviously like you had a lot of muscle mass you have a lot of muscle mass and you're gonna weigh more and it just kind of makes it just kind of makes me angry (laughs) like the fact (laughs) that like your dietitian would tell you tell you that and that just kind of like I mean it's awesome at the same time because that sets the course for the rest of your of your future and it like led you where you are today if that didn't happen you wouldn't have gone to like the institute and learned all that probably but yeah what yeah it's just mind-blowing to me like I'm so grateful for that experience and so grateful to to have that so that I can now really understand what other females go through especially female female collegiate athletes and it's basically been a goal of mine ever since then to say like wow I really (laughs) want to be the person that I never had in college because I was really looking for that really great role model like you know another girl that didn't have a screwed up relationship (laughs) to food Mm -hmm. but I feel like so many of us just get kind of wrapped into it and we all talk about like oh my ass looks funny in my unisuit or oh my god my thighs are huge or like it's so much more acceptable to be to talk really negatively about your body than it ever is to like really love the fact that you have cap shoulders or love the fact that you have bird legs like we don't ever talk about that as women and we don't cheerlead each other's imperfections instead it's just very normal to hop on the bandwagon of like oh yeah don't we all have 10 pounds to lose I mean come Mm. on (laughs) right like and it's such a dull conversation that I just would love to help shift that for especially young girls that literally I think are dumping a ton of time and effort and energy into talking about something that quite frankly does not matter in my opinion (laughs) oh my gosh it's so true it's so true and I feel like nowadays if if, like, there's a group of girls talking about, like, the latest diet they're doing or how much weight they've lost, like, it, it, it's, like, the odd one out that doesn't, that can't say anything. Like, if you're the one person that's not on a diet, you feel really awkward. And then you're, like, maybe I should be on a diet. I don't know. It's, like, just really super awkward. And it's just the norm now to be, like, I lost five pounds. And it, that, that, that's what we need to change. Like, that's what we need to change right there. And that's why I, I really love what you're doing. And I want to go on, like, to another question that I want to ask you and for like the clients you have that are struggling with this, um, well, I have a couple questions, but like first with people who are struggling with learning how to intuitive eat again and how to like become nourished with food and, and really enjoy their food and lost sight or lost touch or I don't even know, lost feeling of hunger and fullness and like satiation. How do you teach somebody to become connected with their hunger and their fullness again because as we all know that is a pretty difficult thing to master once you lose it yeah absolutely and this has been something that I've just recently been introduced to from a good friend of mine named Soshi that runs Embody Nutrition and Soshi is one of those 
really awesome gal. She also studied, studied at the Institute for the Psychology of Eating. And she, her and I, we could have had like the super catty, like, oh, you're a good looking, tall, dark and beautiful nutrition therapist too. Like it could have been super competitive and we could have been at odds with each other. But instead what happened was she ended up being uh, a business partner of mine and her and I are now working together to offer group coaching. So anyway, so she actually taught me this really skill for working with clients and it's called the hunger scale. And so what you do is you basically teach people a numbered system from one to seven, teaching them how to identify their hunger based on like what it feels like to be starving and what it feels like to be really overly stuffed. So Madeline, do you want to do this with me? Yeah. Okay. So if I have clients and I'm working with them, this is, for most of them, I actually use this strategy because it's so good. So Madeline, have you ever eaten like Thanksgiving dinner to the point of being absolutely sick? <laughs> Does throwing up count? Uh, not quite. You want to throw up, but you didn't actually throw up. But yeah, oh. push it. <laughs> I might have. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So then can you tell me physical sensations, like what does it feel like in your body to eat to that point of, I want to be sick? It feels like, like I want to be isolated. Like I don't even want to hang out with anybody because I'm so full and it's all I can think about and it's just miserable. Okay. So that's kind of like a mental or emotional component to it, but what does it actually feel like in your stomach? Oh, it feels like there's a baby dinosaur trying to pop out. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Absolutely. And then what are some other like, how is your energy at those times? Um, it's like the the all-time low. Yeah, super lethargic, right? Just right. like... Nap time. Ugh, totally. So what I do for people is I would have you identify that on a piece of paper and in your mind as a seven. So a seven is like, oh my God, I've eaten so much that I'm going to be physically sick. So people might feel nauseous. They might like feel like, wow, I need to change into some different clothes. They might have the food baby going on, all sorts of different physical symptoms. And that's what I'm really having people do is identify the physical symptoms related to that fullness. Does that make sense? That makes total sense. Okay. So now let's jump to the total other end of the scale as a one. So tell me, what does it feel like to be absolutely bat crazy hungry (laughs) oh my gosh it feels like it feels like being one week out from a competition (laughs) fitness competition that's what it feels like (laughs) yeah I can only imagine so then what are the physical sensations in your body when you have waited way too long to eat and you're so hungry you could eat the leather off of your shoes um it feels like it feels just as bad as being a stuffed it's like excruciating like you really know what hunger is like when you are at that kind of starving point it just Mm -hmm. it hurts yeah it hurts maybe you feel really irritable oh yeah maybe you feel really cranky like it's physically painful to get that hungry and just about everything looks edible maybe you get a little bit of low blood sugar where you're feeling shaky cranky, all of that stuff. So that's kind of the place that we identify as a one. And a lot of women will identify that as being hangry. (laughs) Oh, that's so true. It is hangry. Perfect. So then for you, if you're at a four, if you're right smack in the middle and you're at a total neutral, so like let's assume that you and I both ate very healthy meals before getting on this call, how is your energy and how do you feel when you're not hungry or you're not full? Uh, I feel, I mean, I, com- I feel comfortable and I feel mentally, I feel very focused. Like I'm ready for the next task of the day, like time to move on. I ate, but my body feels energized and like it. Fe- I always like to know that after I eat something, I could still go for a walk. So Totally. Yeah, that's a great one. So then that's kind of a four. And that's a place that I really want people to, to pay attention to and to strive for because I think that a lot of folks can be out of four where they have good energy and good cognitive function and they're excited. and They're not really thinking about food, but we can still see some boredom eating showing up at that time. So that's where I have people actually identify where they are on this number scale 
So then there's two more that I want to do with you. So then if you are at a three, which we're going to identify as hungry, how can you tell that you're physically hungry? Hmm. Physically hungry. See, I'm always thinking about the mental stuff. Physically <laughs> hungry. Um, I, I guess like the best cue would be um, a grumbling stomach. Yeah, that's a great one, right? Or maybe you feel a little bit like maybe a little food fixations coming on mm -hmm. and there's a little bit of stomach growling. Maybe it's been a few hours since your last meal. Um, or it's that feeling like you wake up in the morning and you're hungry for breakfast. You're just like, you know what? I'm ready to eat. Right. Right. So though that is really interesting to me though, because I ask people that question of what does it feel like to be hungry? And they literally don't know. They say something very similar to what you did of like, well, I eat every two to three hours because that's what I'm supposed to do. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what it feels like to be hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So then what I'll have people do with that is to really work on that in the coming week and to pay attention to what it feels like to develop in a sense of hunger because what especially women tend to do is they either drive themselves to the point of being completely ravenous like they have to feel hangry before they allow themselves to eat, but then they will swing the other direction and eat to the point of feeling sickly full. And it's a vicious back and forth. So to tie in with that, Madeline, how do you know when you have eaten enough food? Hmm. You've eaten enough food. Man, that's, that's such a tough question. Like you wouldn't think it wouldn't be that tough, but like for me, I don't know. It's like, I don't, I don't even know if I have an answer. Like, cause generally I will eat most, if not all of what's on my plate. Cause I'm really good at, I know how much generally I like to eat, how much like vegetables and then how much meat. And I just finish that. Um, but to be full and like, know that it's, it's time to stop. I'd probably be just I don't know. My stomach feels kind of heavy, but not like too heavy. And the hunger is gone. And satiation is just like, it's a word. It's really hard to describe what satiation feels like, but you know it when you feel it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's something that people need to practice. And I imagine that eating is kind of like learning how to drink alcohol. Like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, all... that's so true. I'll first start drinking and it's like, yeah, bring it on like a fifth at a time. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I see people do that a lot with food where they, they literally don't know how much food it takes for them to feel satiated or they don't know what satiety is. So what I imagine a five to be and what I want people to practice is getting themselves to the point of a three, like feeling physical sense of hunger, but not feeling ravenous. And then to eat to the point of a five. And I imagine that a five is like, okay, I'm no longer hungry. I still have good energy. I feel totally satisfied by what I just ate. And I literally don't need another bite. And that takes practice. Like, even for myself, um, I used to be somebody that I would eat like four eggs at a time at breakfast. And using this hunger sale, I'm like, eh, sometimes I can just eat two and be quote unquote satisfied and it's something that you can use with all food groups. Like you can even use this with things like ice cream of checking in with, okay, I'm going to be intentional about eating this amount of ice cream and each bite I can check in with myself and say, okay, was that enough? Okay, is one more bite going to be enough? How's this bite? And by using this hunger scale and by really checking in, we're no longer checked out of our body and we're no longer in our head about how much ice cream we deserve or how much we should eat or shouldn't eat. Mm -hmm. And instead it's just like a real checking in with your actual gut and asking it like, have we had enough food yet? Are we satiated? Are we hungry? Are we full? Where are we at? And it's a really powerful process, but it takes a shit ton of practice. Like I have a lot of my clients for five weeks and I will have them use the hunger scale oftentimes where every week they are writing down what number they were at before they ate, what number they were at after they ate. 
And what we see over and over again is that they're either eating when they're out of one and then feeling like a seven afterwards, or they're eating when they're out of four, so they're not even hungry, they're just boredom eating. And that can be really eye-opening and really interesting for the folks that I work with, just to see how far out of touch they are with their own physical cues of hunger and fullness. Mm-hmm. I guess I have, I have a question for you then. Like, what about people who have been restricting their entire lives or like they've been dieting their whole lives or they've been obsessed with um, their body image, they've just had a terrible body image their whole life and they're finally starting to intuitive eat and kind of just trying to explore foods that they haven't allowed themselves to eat ever and eat in quantities that they haven't been allowed to eat before. Do you think that is a phase that some people should go through or might need to go through where they can just eat everything. I don't know if you've read intuitive eating, but I mean, it basically says that like you need to give yourself permission to eat everything that you want in whatever quantities or whatever, so that you can get eventually get to a point where you don't feel the need to to binge eat and to eat like that because you know that food will be there tomorrow. So people can just start to self-regulate their appetite and their food by going through that initial phase. Do you think from your experience with your clients that people ever like benefit from doing something like that or (laughs) that's a bad idea? No, I think it's awesome. And I mean, that's something that Mark David taught us from the beginning of like, okay, you have this fear that you are going to go on the no diet diet and that all you're going to do is eat buckets of ice cream. And he has such a great perspective on that because he's like, awesome, do it. I dare you. Like (laughs) you are going you get sick of ice cream eventually and this is something I joke about a lot because when I do my nutrition challenges I ask people to pull out fruit and nuts and go really strict paleo because because I've seen so many people have digestive upset and body composition uh, trouble when they have a lot of fruit and nuts in their diet so I tell people hey no nuts no nut butters but for me personally Ah! I actually own like every nut butter under the sun Mm, (laughs) and because I wasn't, I had gotten to that place. I had gotten to that place of just like, oh my God, if I had a spoon and a jar of almond butter, I would just eat the whole thing. And I had myself so convinced that it was, there was going to be a no stop button and it was so dangerous and such a forbidden food And so I've kind of gone the opposite direction with it now. And just like you're talking about with intuitive eating of keeping those foods that you're so afraid of in the house with you. And yeah, you're going to have a couple of times where you quote unquote screw it up and maybe binge. But with using things like the hunger scale and with developing a sense of, wow, why would I, I wouldn't want to binge eat because it's going to make me feel like shit. So kind of learning and falling down and like I say binge eating binge drinking and having that experience for yourself I think is super critical so that you can be able to take a step back and say like you know what it's my decision that I don't want to do that anymore because I don't like the way it makes me feel so it just sort of takes the power away from things like alcohol and food if you've had those experiences and you're willing to learn from them I love that you say that because, like, I have been thinking about how I need to get things out of my house, and you're saying I should probably keep them in. So it's just funny because, like, for the longest time, I have not allowed myself to have, like, crunchy, salty things. Like, I I (laughs) never really realized it, but, like, basically every crunchy, salty thing in the world I have not touched in forever. And the two things that are the hardest for me to stop eating are crunchy, salty things one of them are like they're they're like both kind of forms of chips and like one of them is those benitos chips like oh my gosh they're like organic non-gmo made from only (laughs) beans and salt and that's it and whatever but i like ate half of the bag like the bag doesn't even have that much in it because you know how bags are they like fill it up like one fourth (laughs) but i ate like half the bag one night like i do so good during the day i'm like in the morning, I'm awesome at what I want for breakfast. I eat my breakfast and I'm done. And then I have a little snack and then I have lunch. And it's always like superfoods and like kale and eggs and nuts and whatever. All the good foods I love, berries, beef. And then at nighttime, I have like a really awesome dinner of like broccoli and beef and some like feta cheese. And then I'm like, oh my God, I need something salty. 
And I'm like, <laughs> where is it? And then it's just like so – I've never been a binger. I've never really had binges, but like I'll eat half a bag. And then I'll feel so bad about it. And then I'm like, man – I need to stop buying these. And honestly, it was probably the first time for me to ever buy buy a bag of Benitos. But like, I'm in love. It's so good. So. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's something that people definitely need to be aware of is how salty, sweet, fatty. The, a lot of these foods are made to really spin our wheels mm-hmm. the right way. And they are highly addictive. And people think like, oh, I'm a willpower weakling because I can't eat one Lay's potato chip. It's like, no, no, no. Those things are right. designed to get you to eat a shit ton of them. And so I try to leverage that to my advantage when working with men and women who are trying to gain weight. And so I will say to them like, hey, maybe we need to you know, get you a spoon and a jar of almond butter and you need to go berserk or, Hey, maybe we need to get some like fatty, salty French fries in the mix so that you're going to be encouraged to eat more of that stuff. So I think that just understanding that no matter who you are and no matter what your drug of choice food is like popcorn is mine. Um, you just want to understand like, okay, I'm going to be hardwired up to overeat this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so can I like pay attention to how much is physically enough for me and be willing to stop at that point? Cause I've definitely done that with popcorn over and over and over again of just eating it by like the six foot tall bag of it and being like, Oh, I can't eat popcorn. It makes me feel sick, but no, it's the sheer quantity of it that I eat that is likely making me feel sick so that's where again if people have an intuitive sense of like I want to eat to the point of feeling satisfied then yeah maybe a quarter of a bag of chips that are delicious and awesome and a real treat for you maybe that does it and then you can incorporate that into your nutrition plan without having all the guilt and anxiety around it. Exactly. And I know that I'm very like time sensitive. So if I had something like that, like midday, I wouldn't want to have it again. And I'd be, I'm so much better about like picking the right food choices during the day. So, or even just like before dinner, like if I had that before dinner and like a very small portion and then had dinner and then I'd be like perfectly full, like that'd be awesome. I just have to get myself to do that. (laughs) Like instead of after dinner or just not buy them or, or buy them and eat them all the time. I don't know, whatever. But let's talk about paleo because I know that you're a huge um, advocate for paleo. And um, I, I guess my question for you is like, do you think paleo is great for everyone? Or do you think that there are certain people that really can handle like paleo not paleo foods like grains and stuff like that and be perfectly fine or do you think everyone would benefit from paleo or are all your clients on paleo okay i'm asking too many questions (laughs) (laughs) no this is so great because like i say i'm usually the interviewer not the interviewee and i'm sure i'm like rapid fire questions for people too because i get excited um i really think a paleo template would benefit everyone just a broad strokes across the board, the number of people in my life that I've worked with that have adopted something even remotely close to paleo, they benefit immensely from it. With that said, I've strayed from calling myself a paleo nutritionist at times because it can kind of shoehorn you into everybody's definition of paleo. And a lot of times I'll get clients that say to me, well, I've been eating paleo for three years and I haven't gotten any results. And I'm like, okay, tell me about your paleo diet. And it's like, well, you know, I have, I'm 80, 20 and, you know, I eat ice cream and I eat, you know, like rice and, you know, like (laughs) whey protein powder. And it's like, okay, so whose version of paleo are you going off of? Cause that's not the paleo that I've heard about. So like paleo or not, I absolutely believe that people will benefit from doing a grain, legume, dairy, processed sugar, processed oil free 30, 60 day intervention. Like just establishing a baseline for people to see, wow, I feel really good without these highly inflammatory foods. Like that's awesome. But 
when it comes to brass tacks of actually talking to people about manageable, sustainable, long-term approaches to nutrition, I don't really rule out any foods. And in fact, a lot of my clients, especially working in the CrossFit community, are having to bring things back in like, ooh, white potatoes <laughs> or white rice or waxy maize or whey protein isolate or God forbid, like whole milk ice cream, raw milk, Greek yogurt. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of foods out there that I recommend to people always on an individual basis that don't fit the paleo template, but they still work for people and they still accomplish the same things. Like if I'm talking about post-workout refueling for an athlete, yeah, I may be talking to them about having white rice instead of sweet potatoes after a workout. And I've had quite a few young strapping men that are trying to gain weight and they'll say, wow, I actually feel better and my recovery is faster if I have white rice rather than sweet potatoes. So, you know, long story short, I just really think that it has to be individualized. And I still stand behind though that people will benefit from getting in, doing say a 30 day or a five week intervention and then reintroducing foods using something like the hunger scale, using a sense of awareness in order to determine, like, does this food work for my body or not? <laughs> does that make sense? Oh, no, that makes total sense. I, I, I did a whole 30. I actually did, like, a whole 90 or longer than that. <laughs> I just kept going. I was like, this is working. Why stop? Like, you know, I'm, I'm so OCD and I'm such a type A person that in my head, I was like, if I reintroduce those things, I'll have to start all over. And I just got so far, I might as well keep going. But I mean, I noticed a lot of, I mean, it was like a year ago when I was doing that. So I, it's kind of hard for me to remember exactly all what happened, but I know a big mind change happened, a very big mind shift. I became a lot more, I don't know, I was just really happy. And it was kind of, I mean, there's something about being paleo that's kind of fun, because it's like you're included in the cool club. It's like everyone's <laughs> paleo now. And like, all my friends are in the going to paleo effects and in the paleo community. And I mean, I'm more like a, like, I just like hang around with everyone now, but I mean, I eat dairy and the truth is for me, like brown rice works so perfectly fine in my system, but yet fruit is really hard for me to digest, which is really strange and really annoying because I love fruit, but I can't really eat it. And brown rice makes me feel so energized. So it's definitely very individual and personalized. And I really love that the paleo movement is kind of heading into that direction. And it is becoming more about making it a template and starting with the Whole30 and cutting out legumes and um, grains and dairy and alcohol and processed sugars and then going from there and adding in those things. And um, the only thing that like I don't want to ever happen for people is to like continue that mind of restriction like coming from a restrictive place and then to cut out things again. I think that's one of the biggest issues that I had when I was um, coaching people online and coaching people online is just like explaining to them that cutting out these things is completely different from going on a diet. It's like reversing inflammation and like helping with your cholesterol and improving energy and improving like strength gains. And I think like, I guess that's one of the little, um, the toughest parts about getting someone on board with the paleo diet. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I like to have everybody just imagine that all we're doing is an experiment. And with a lot of, it's funny that you say that everybody's on the paleo bandwagon because the community I'm running in up here in Alaska, nobody's heard about paleo. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> that's <laughs> funny. It just depends on where you are. But I... I also don't bring that up with a lot of my clients too. If I won't tell them like, here, we're going to put you on a paleo diet. I will just say to them, Hey, we're going to make a list of all your favorite proteins, all your favorite vegetables, mm. all your favorite types of fats. Like, you know, butter is something I advocate really strongly if it's grass fed and it's not quote unquote paleo, but I will just have them make a list of all their favorite foods that fit my agenda and I'll say, great, those are the foods you get to eat. <laughs> and without throwing a paleo label on it, because people think like 
paleo means low carb it means ketogenic it means restriction it means it means so many things today like i i something funny like i had a funny conversation with someone the other day talking about paleo and like you know everyone in the paleo community loves eggs and bacon and they made a really interesting point they were like wait i thought like paleo people didn't really like or didn't really eat uh much bacon and i was like are you kidding me and she was like yeah because like cavemen couldn't really get the like the bacon strips and then cook them that often so it's more like a treat and i was like whoa mind blown (laughs) yeah you're like uh i'm pretty sure the paleo tribe that i run with eats bacon every day i know i was like bacon's like on everything like they go to sleep with bacon i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) um but and this is kind of different from what we're talking about because we're not focusing too much on the body aspect. But I do want to mention that you have like a really rocking body. Like, <laughs> like you're so like active and fit, and like you do look great. Like you do. Come on, you look awesome. So I guess what I want to ask you then is like the the paleo diet has this has this been like not that we're focusing too much on this, but I'm just wondering. <laughs> has the paleo diet and eaten that way kind of like given you the aesthetic goals with ease like has it been easier keeping the paleo diet and looking that way yeah great question so I would say that you know I, I wrote a blog post about this today actually talking about kind of my quote-unquote fighting weight and it's sort of 155 is kind of the spot that my body just sits like this is how much I weigh And I can tweak and fiddle and exercise, not exercise. It doesn't really matter. Like, this is kind of where I'm at. And when I was in college, I feel like I exercised my brains out. But I also ate a ton of oatmeal, sourdough bread, pancakes, rice. Like, I just had the typical high-carb endurance athlete diet. And I just had a ton of digestive upset and just was overall pretty sick. Um, and I feel like I wasn't as lean as I am now. It was maybe the same weight, but more of it was partitioned to fat. So I would say over the past, oh my God, I've been graduated for four years now, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Over the past four years, I've been eating paleo. Slowly but surely, my body has absolutely changed to where now I feel like I constantly maintain a pretty substantial amount of lean muscle mass and I stick around... 16, 17% body fat pretty effortlessly. And you and I both know, like, if we were talking to a bunch of bodybuilders, they would maybe be like, ugh, 16 to 17%, like, that's really fat. Where if we talk to other (laughs) women that are just like normal cruising around, they may be like 20 to 24%, and that's Mm -hmm. normal for them. So I feel like for me, this spot that I'm at of five, nine, almost 160 pounds and 16% body fat with a paleo template with intuitive eating and with fun (laughs) exercise. I feel like I kind of get away with a lot and I'm just able to, yeah, very easily maintain uh, this body composition all year round, despite whether I'm in Nicaragua, Thailand, Alaska, Colorado, it doesn't seem to matter. I'm kind of a steady Betty in that way. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. That's a really that's a really good answer. It's it's different for everyone, the way they want to feel, the way they want to look, and it's very important to take that into account. And there is a I think a, a certain happy weight for everybody. And um, I mean, even if you aren't at your happy weight, it's very important to appreciate, you know, like to love the way you look no matter what. Um, it, it, Molly Galbraith said something really awesome. Um, I get to totally butcher this quote, but it was something like, <laughs> you can still love the way you are right now, but have goals to improve in the future. Something like that. And I think that's something very important when you take on something like paleo. It's don't expect like to immediately find that happy weight and to find like the get to six, 16% body fat, but to just to take it in strides. Because I mean, you've been doing this for four years now. That's incredible. And your body's got to find a way to kind of like find that happy place and that maintenance place, no matter if you're Alaska or Colorado. So good on you. Yeah. And what is it like for you personally? Do you feel like you have 
a certain level of leanness or a certain body weight that your body is really comfortable at or does has it changed a lot over the years for you? Man, it's like really funny because I have, I mean, like for the past month, I have not, I've been to the gym one time in the past month. And like that for me is a record because mm-hmm. in the past seven years, this is the first time I've taken a break. So this is the first month that I have not gone. And what I'm coming to find is that my body looks the exact same as <laughs> it did before. Like, I look no different. And like the really cool thing is my nutrition is more on point. Like, I mean, I have some slip ups here and there and I wouldn't even call them slip ups. I indulge here and there. My sister came into town. We like went out to eat, you know, I ate bread. I ate whatever I wanted. It was fun. And we got drinks and I woke up the next day looked like the same that I woke up like a year ago. I looked the exact same. And I keep waiting for the day where I'm going to wake up and be like 10 pounds heavier. And (laughs) I feel like every time I sit down for a meal, that's kind of in the back of my head. Like to be completely honest, I'm kind of like, okay, I'm eating. I hope this doesn't make me fat tomorrow. And it's like, it's so time for me to put those thoughts away because I have been, I mean, like I, I honestly feel like, I mean, I'm not, I on it like I have more muscle mass than I did in high school obviously like way more muscle mass cuz I've actually been lifting weights and I didn't in high school but like the level of body fat that I have now is very similar to the level of body fat I had in high school. I mean like I don't know if I'm just making it up in my head but the body I see is kind of similar to the body I saw then and of course there were times like in college in college I lost like 15 pounds because of all my crazy I used to run seven miles a day and I ate like a vegetarian diet made up of peas and carrots so I lost a ton of weight (laughs) like super tiny then and then I gained the weight back and then I got super tiny again when I decided to do my my fitness competition lost 15 pounds again and then gained it back and I look like I do now and then you know like I keep coming back every time I stop dieting I keep coming back to the same place and it's what I look like right now and it hasn't changed and I have no clue how much body fat I'd probably say like 18% and I mean I could be totally wrong but I would say around there and I don't know I just when I I don't know I just feel I feel the same and for once in my life I am not focused on aesthetics and I'm not focused on the gym and it's really scary and it's really comforting it's like a very weird feeling because I'm finally not trying to change my body and it that's scary because I'm like what's gonna happen but then I'm like but it's really comfortable because I'm not trying to change my body and it's just it's really interesting and it's really fun to be able to like share that with people and and talk about it so I'm glad you asked that because that was on my mind I, I haven't I haven't changed it's pretty awesome yeah I've that I've been that way with exercise a lot of doing it for the sake of oh, it's going to make me thinner or, oh, it's going to make me more jacked or doing it for some sort of outcome rather than doing it because it's enjoyable. And Mm -hmm. that's something that I've really been trying to cultivate in my own experience of diet and exercises being like, wow, I'm going to eat this food because it's what I really want and it's going to be really delicious and it's going to make me feel really good and give me good energy, good cognitive function, all the stuff that I desire from food. But then also with exercise, I hear you, I haven't been a member of a gym for months either. And now it really is like, okay, do I want to exercise today because I want the endorphin rush and because I want to get some fresh air and I want to move my body? Yes. Okay. That's the reason I'm going to do it. Not because I have to, or because if I don't, I'm a fat slob. Like, that's just such a recipe for disaster as far as long-term <laughs> health and happiness. But man, that has definitely been my uphill battle is having a healthy relationship with exercise. So I'm proud of you for taking the time off and enjoying it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's been it's been really interesting and and just like very insightful. And I've just been doing a lot of walking and yoga and I used to hate yoga and I'll, all of a sudden I, I really like it. And I actually do it from my apartment which is 10 times more convenient than anything else and I mean and like I I found this website called myyogaworks.com if anyone's ever heard of that it's awesome and if you haven't check it out it's got like over 500 yoga 
workouts and you can just wake up and be like, what do I feel like doing? Um, and then it's like organized by time. So you can be like, oh, I feel like a 40 minute yoga session, click on 40 minutes. And then, oh, I feel like working on flexibility in my hamstrings and then like find that. And then they'll give you like all these different options and you can just do it from your living room. And I, it's just been really nice. To, it's challenging and it's it helps me to slow down. And ever since I stopped lifting like weights honestly just lifting weights in the gym I've been so much more in touch with my food I've just been like it's been a lot easier for me to eat what sounds good and to eat good food like nourishing food healthy food like it's not about eating something post-workout because I'm going to get the biggest protein delivery rush and it's not about like spiking this or lowering that or eating enough of this macronutrient it's actually just about like okay, I love kale and I love eggs and I love onions, so I'm going to make that. I'm going to love it. I'm going to take my time eating it. And then it's just been a lot easier for me to be in touch with my hunger, which is great, but it kind of stinks because it, like, and now I know what the key is right now and it's not going to the gym and it's staying out of the gym and I'm kind of figuring out like what do I need to do to get the – to what, what, what's the best activity for me now? I mean like is it – am I like done with lifting weights because I feel like – I love deadlifts and I love squats, but I'm just so not feeling like that anymore. So maybe just a break, you know, and it's very important to figure out what you like right now. It's, I mean, maybe you have been like the biggest weightlifter ever for the longest time, but if that's not your calling right now, you got to listen to your body. Yeah, that's something that I coached a client on yesterday because she was really struggling, feeling a ton of guilt for no longer wanting to do CrossFit. And she was very far in her head about it of, oh my God, like, but that's the most effective form of exercise is CrossFit and I should be lifting weights and I should do this and I should do that. And I was like, well, what type of movement do you like to do? She's like, I like running. <laughs> I like Bikram yoga. <laughs> totally. And I like it. riding my horses. And I was like, Aww. great. So how awful would it be for you to go do those things? Because just like you said, just because you don't want to do them right now, doesn't mean that you'll never do them again and I feel like for me in my life I've taken that to a bit of an extreme where I'm constantly traveling and I'm constantly moving and it always gives me a sense of no matter what I'm doing with my nutrition or my exercise this week it will be different next week <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's kind of nice and I never feel as if like oh god I'm in a rut of bad eating or oh god I'm in a rut of over exercising like it's always so different and so variable that there's always a sense of newness and excitement rather than a fear of this is going to be my life forever. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly. We often get that mindset like this is forever. Okay. This is forever. And then like you go into battle every time you go to the gym. So it's really <laughs> important to just realize life changes. Life is very long. And I realize that you have a call coming up in three minutes. So um, my very last question, if you can just squeeze it in for one minute yeah. is what one tip will you give anybody that's trying to strengthen their mind body connection? Oh, goodness. I would encourage people to do this one simple exercise, and it's something that I use with my clients a lot, and something that Mark David also brought up for me. Um, first, first and foremost, first tip, if you want to learn anything about eating psychology, intuitive eating, I can't recommend the Institute for the Psychology of Eating enough. I love those guys. They're geniuses, so check them out. Check out their blog, their books, all that. But one exercise that we did in a conference last year was having your body write you a letter. And you have to write it as like, hey, Madeline, this is your body. And I just wanted to let you know that blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's really difficult to do. It's not an easy exercise. But I think for the people out there that are really at war with their body and maybe have been in a place of self-loathing for a long time or they have no intuitive sense of what they want to eat, how much they should be drinking, know all of that, it would be a really good exercise and really fun to really pretend that your body was able to write you a letter and it may say really vicious things like, I hate the fact that you starve me all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I'm really sick of it. Or I really hate the fact that you binge eat every single night or, Hey Madeline, like 
yoga has been super good for us recently. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing that. Like, who knows what will come up for you, but it's just a really fun exercise that you can do over and over and over again. And it really gives you an opportunity to get into a quiet, uh, slow headspace and just to start asking some questions and just get curious as to what your body would say to you if you gave it the opportunity to. Oh my gosh, I love that. I think I'm going to write a letter to myself tonight. Thank you. For, <laughs> thank you for that. It's so unique. I never even thought of that. I feel like I learned so much in this call. But Heather, like, thank you so much for joining us today. This was awesome. And um, listeners can find you at OpenNutrition.com where they can read about what you are up to and everything and follow you along your Alaska journey. Um, thank you just so much. And you're awesome. And I love you. Yeah, thanks so much, girl. And we'll do this again sometime and do a yoga session for me and have fun with your letter to yourself. <laughs> Heck yeah. All right, you have a good night. All right, see ya. Bye. Thanks again for listening, friends. I'm Maddie Moon, and you have been enjoying the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please be sure to rate and review it in the iTunes store as well as subscribe. Also, please remember I'm glad to continue the conversation on my website, mindbodymusings.com where you can also sign up for my free ebook, How to Love Your Body Again, 10 Easy Steps to Stop Sacrificing and Start Living. I created this book to help everyone that struggles with body image, dieting, overtraining, and negative self-esteem to learn how to not only accept who you are, but love who you are. This is coming from an ex-fitness model and bikini competitor, so trust me, I know what it's like to have those struggles and to want to be rid of them. So please, if any of that sounds good, head on over to moonfitness.net and sign up. Thanks for listening.